Well, welcome. <clears throat> we are um, wanting to encourage everyone to take a very intentional time this evening uh, within your homes. There's kind of a twofold reason uh, for what we're wanting to do. It's very typical for centuries now um, when uh, the, the various practices that Jesus demonstrated believers have modeled and uh, it awakens something uh, within our hearts when we follow after his ways and not just know he is God and it's it's not just believing but it's confessing it's following and so we're trying to implement and initiate in 2024 uh, the actions and the practices of following the ways of Christ so one of those things is each week to purpose a Sabbath time and we're going to explore what that looks like over the course of these next several months. It is one of the Ten Commandments. We were talking about this in our family devotions yesterday, and Tracy just said, like, it's one of the big ten. You know, it's, this, is, this is one of the big ten, and it's one that we just don't really pay attention to, not nearly enough. And so we're going to explore more of that, but one of the, one of the uh, common practices that take place on the Sabbath is the lighting of a candle. And so today what we're wanting to do is mobilize all of you to take a candle and when you go out um, the door today, you'll find these candles are available at the coffee bar and we only have enough for each household. Um, there's no way everybody here could, could take them. Welcome. We're glad you're here. The place is packed. So Merry Christmas Eve to everyone. We're so glad uh, to be able to worship together today, lift up his name. But if you would, uh, for each household, you'll pick up one of these candles, and I'm going to be talking today about light and darkness, and we've printed a piece for you to take with the candle that could be part of when you light the candle. I don't really know how to do this. I don't really know how to tell you to do it, and there's not a right or wrong way. How many of you know worship is what comes out of your heart? And God loves whatever we offer for him to work with. And so take a candle, um, purpose a time this evening on this Christmas Eve evening, and um, light that candle as a, maybe a family or community, uh, whatever that will look like in your home, and, um, and just pause and reflect. Maybe have everyone share something that spoke to them out of this morning. Uh, this, there's a reading of Scripture here that will help uh, make that a little bit of sense, hopefully. Uh, but you can take those on your way. And part of um, Sabbath is also not just slowing down, but going deep. And uh, you have to purpose to go deep. And so I encourage you, um, you know, this is going to be Scripture, but reading Scripture together is an important part of this particular routine and practice and is so life-giving. And I know Tracy and a few individuals are going to be right outside the door with our last morning of Christmas Bibles available. And um, we actually pay about $40 for those and just make them available to you for $25. So if you're wanting one of those Bibles, stop by out there and take a look. It's a great Christmas present. But um, people help make donations to help us make sure we get the Word into people's hands. And we want to do that just as faithfully as possible. I do also just want to make sure everybody knows we do meet on Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. for prayer. But this particular week is a Christmas week as we're going to, the offices will be closed and we will not be having uh, morning prayer Tuesday. So I want to make sure I get that in before I, I uh, forget to do so. Wow. Light and darkness. 
imagine what it was like. Like, God Almighty, he, you know, decides it's time to uh, initiate light in the face of darkness. He, just think with me, you know, God in heaven, and he looks over to one of his most conversational angels, and he says, I just created a 24-hour period of lightness and darkness alternating on the earth. And the angel says, wow, what are you going to do now? And God says, I think I'll just call it a day. <laughs> Come on, that was good. <laughs> That's the best bad dad joke. <laughs> well, wishing everybody a Merry Christmas on this somewhat stressful time of year. Has anybody noticed it can be a little stressful? I actually caught somebody in the lobby. I said, isn't this a great time of year? And they said, I guess you could say that. Um, <clears throat> because it is a little intense. Um, you know, maybe you've noticed traffic is a little crazier. Um, when you go to a store and you try and find a parking place and people are parking on the grass, uh, it's an indication that the store itself is going to be packed full of, in some instances, stressed out shoppers. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing when you think about this season and how busy it all gets and everything everybody's trying to accomplish. And I, I want to just say, uh, maybe I'm, I'm, this is just for me, but for all of us, I think I would say, why can't it just be peaceful, beautiful, and stress-free, just like the first Christmas that ever happened? We romanticize so much of the gospel of Jesus Christ that sometimes we lose sight of the reality of actually what was taking place when we look into the scripture. Angels start showing up first Christmas. Angels start showing up scaring the living daylights out of everybody. That's not stress-free. Mary is pregnant trying to explain it to Joseph. Joseph's now planning a divorce that he scales back off of after he has his own visitation. In the midst of all of this, she is so pregnant, she is about to give birth, and suddenly there's this decree that is given, and they have to travel back to Joseph's uh, city where he was born. This is a distance, Nazareth to Bethlehem, a distance that's about the distance from here to Tulsa, which is really not that bad of a drive, is it, on a highway, in a car, traveling 70 or some of you 90 miles per hour <laughs> just raise your hand no no don't just point to a family member that speeds I mean that's a long journey for a very pregnant woman <laughs> and like there are no rest stops I don't know what I wonder what Mary's mood was when they finally arrived you know, just thinking about what that might have been like. And then, like, we're going to, okay, let's go to the inn, and what happens? There's no room in the inn. Pretty wild uh, when you think about it. No room in the inn, so now we're going to, like, I don't know, just think you're, you're going to have, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. You're convinced of it. You believe it. You've had to convince your husband of it because of all the, you know, extenuating circumstances. And then, like, it almost feels like nothing is working out the way you thought it would. Has anybody experienced this in your life? Can I just see? 
maybe you know you're sitting here this morning and you're just thinking like this isn't exactly what I had in mind when I made the plan of where I'd be at this season of my life and I just felt like um, this was kind of a, a stage to set I'm going to ask um, Chrissy and Pat to sing Silent Night and I want you to think about it maybe not from the totally romanticized point of view but I want you to think about it from a perspective of maybe the disappointment that you're contending with in your own life and how he's a God who invades that moment like he did that night I just felt as I was praying this would just be kind of a brief you know set up to get everybody thinking in the right direction but as I was just praying through this I felt like the Lord was saying in this moment he wants to minister to some of our hearts to some of our disappointments to some of our discouragements to some things that have really um, created us maybe to question is this is, was God in this thing from the beginning I mean all those things had to be things that they were contending with so would you just open your heart and let him just visit you in this moment because he really is here you into every circumstance of our lives I thank you that you're not put off by the brokenness of our humanness but you invade every area of our lives when we welcome you and invite you in and I pray Lord that we would learn to encounter you and experience you in such a way that it really becomes an inspiration to the world around us when they're looking in on circumstances that sometimes we simply shake our own head at and cannot comprehend. Things that we thought would be taking place maybe this season in life, something completely different seems to be in motion. It's the beauty of the gospel, Lord, that you're at work even in our moments that we would say have not been our finest moments. Thank you, Lord. You're a good God. Thank you for sending your Son to reach into our lives. We surrender to you today in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, all the people said, Amen. Amen.
our fallen, broken world, our very messy lives. And then, like in those circumstances, he's right there, helping us see something that we simply couldn't see before. Isn't it interesting? Um, Mary didn't give birth in the inn. She gave birth in the stable or barn. And it was because she wasn't merely giving birth to the man, God became man. She was giving birth to the lamb. The sacrificial lamb of God. I want you to think about it. So frustrating. So revealing. Maybe we can learn to see things from God's point of view. Jesus was born in a barn where animals were born. As God was declaring, the Lamb of God has come to the earth as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And then of all things, you know, I've, I've seen some people post the picture of a, a manger, a, a literal trough of food for animals. And I've seen uh, this, this manger with the caption, a king-sized bed. And I'm just like, that's clever. <laughs> I love that. It's a king-sized bed. He wasn't born in the inn. He was born in a manger. He wasn't placed in a beautiful bed fit for a king. He was placed in a feeding trough for animals. And he would say later in John chapter 6, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. It's amazing. Mary places the Son of God, who is the bread from heaven, into a feeding trough. He's the sacrificial lamb, born in the stable. None of it looked like what any of us would imagine it should look like. Stop getting discouraged when it doesn't look like what you think it was supposed to look like and start trying to see what God is desiring to reveal in the midst of our very messy lives. Even in the midst of our frustration, our disappointment, our own mistakes, God is still mightily at work. He is the master at doing more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed. If we'll just place it in his hands, he'll do something phenomenal and amazing. I love saying it this way. He is the Messiah. He takes our mess and turns it into a message when we allow the Messiah to do what only he can do. So Jesus laying in this feeding trough He's bringing spiritual food to give life to those in darkness. And John chapter 1, verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now we see the correlation and the connection between life and light. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. I want you to turn, if you would, please, in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. It's a very famous uh, Christmas verse that we focus on. Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to 
read a few verses prior to the most famous Christmas verse that we might reference. And I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. In verse 1, it says these very hope-filled words. This is 700 years before Jesus would be born. The prophet Isaiah is foretelling that Jesus would come. Listen, I had somebody um, within the last week has grown up in church about my age and um, their family, Christian family. And this individual has come to a place of beginning to struggle with believing in God. And some legitimate questions abound in our lives over the course of time. And I would encourage you, uh, you know, Thomas is famous in the Bible. Isn't he? What do we call Thomas? We call him Doubting Thomas. But we've given him that label. Jesus never did. Jesus said, Thomas, you have questions, I have scars. I'll give you answers if you'll be legitimate and, and if you'll be authentic about your questions. It's okay to have questions. Just come to the Lord Jesus Christ with those questions and allow him to do a mighty work. And, and one of the things, the reason I bring this up is because what we find in Scripture is 330 predictions about the first coming of the Messiah. 330 of them. If one person were born in Bethlehem fulfilling a couple of hundred of those, that would be fascinating in and of itself. But Jesus actually fulfills all 330 prophecies about the first coming of the Messiah. They're every single one of them fulfilled in Jesus. This is one of those that we're reading about in Isaiah 9. I want to just say to you, you can trust God's word and you can trust God. He is who he says he is. We divide history by this Jesus who changed the world and never traveled more than 100 miles. Yeah, let's do celebrate. He's the king of all kings. And in Isaiah chapter 9, there are these very hope-filled words, this prediction of the light of Christ that would one day come. Verses 1 and 2, darkness and despair will not go on forever. Darkness and despair will not go on forever. I, I don't know, that when I was reading this just praying about this morning, I kept coming back to that again, just addressing maybe some things that exist within us that create a little bit of a sense of disappointment because something hasn't exactly panned out the way I'd intended. You know, it's, it's amazing when you look at the history of what was taking place and the, the various corrupt leaders and shepherds and, and the Bible's predicting the one good shepherd who would come and this is who we're talking about. Jesus has come and, and in the midst of this darkness and despair will not go on forever. Darkness and despair does exist in the world and did exist prior to Jesus coming in an entirely different way. Darkness and despair will not go on forever. Can we all say that together? Darkness and despair will not go on forever. I want to encourage you to know there is hope and hope is not a principle. Hope is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. 
He has come to bring light into darkness. Even when the circumstances look grim, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. And we must rehearse this person of Jesus Christ in order to embrace truly the hope He desires for us to live in. Darkness and despair will not go on forever. And then it goes on, it says in verse 2, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Has anybody been in darkness and you saw a great light and Jesus came and rescued your soul? I think we ought to just say thank you to this king who came and redeemed. I am so glad I am not where I used to be before I met the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. If you believe transformation and change happens in humanity, then we want to give thanks for that in your own heart, in your own life. Great stories and testimonies of transformation exist even within this room. People who walk in darkness have seen a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And then we get to the famous verse, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Jesus has come, and Jesus is here. Like, if you'll allow God to activate that within your heart, you'll start to figure out why Isaiah 54 says you will all be taught by God. All your children will be taught by God because Jesus came and Jesus is here and he's speaking to our hearts every day that we live. You know, next week on Sunday, we're going to focus in and we're going to do this for the next year. When we have five Sundays in a, in a month, we're going to focus in on just really activating a prayer and prophetic uh, atmosphere. And I just believe that even next Sunday as we come together and focus in on what it is to really hear the voice of the Lord, God's going to begin to help us grow deeper in an understanding of what that looks like, that we would be spiritually awake and truly engaged with the Spirit of God in the way that we are walking out this year that is ahead. Unto us a child is born, a son is given, the light of the world has come. He's then awakening us. Do you know that Jesus says he is the light of the world? And then he says in Matthew 5, you and I are the light of the world. The light of God is awakened within us, and then we carry that light everywhere we go. We bring God's presence to real life. It's a beautiful reality. And, and we've started each year now with the Advent tradition where we're embracing four weeks during the season just to remind us of the light of Christ and each week we have a, a reading and a lighting of the candles and, and everybody's participating that wants to do so and goes and light a candle in that particular week and in the progression of those four weeks uh, we're celebrating the hope of humanity that's found in Christ, the peace of God that abounds and passes understanding, the joy of the Lord that is our strength and the love of God uh, that transforms our lives. And each week is one of those concepts and another candle is lit. And, and technically what happens when we have the first week one candle, the second week two, the third week three, the fourth week four, then there's more light being released the closer we get to Christmas. It's the essence and the idea of Advent overall and what we're trying to accomplish. Jesus came as light in darkness. 
And when we receive Christ, his divine light streams into our hearts. Can anybody relate to this? His divine light streams into our hearts, and suddenly we're awakened to have a living spirit. Like we go from death to life. I just remember accepting Christ. I, was, uh, I wasn't just a child. I was a young man by the time uh, I made this decision to truly devote myself to following the Lord. And, and I was living in such a framework of darkness and deception and addiction and all kinds of things that were going on in my life. And I just remember when I accepted Christ and I gave in, like everything about my desires began to change my question to you today is not do you know religion and do you understand how God sent his son but have you received Christ where his light actually is streaming into your life to rescue you from the sin that tries to destroy everything about who you are not only temporally but also eternally like Adam and Eve didn't do right in the garden, and that sin then was given into the lineage of humanity. And Jesus then, the Bible says, as the second Adam, he came out of darkness as light from heaven, spiritual food from heaven, come to the earth that you and I might participate in the divine nature of God through this risen Savior, Jesus Christ. By his Spirit, something in you begins to shift and change, and it is a lifelong journey of walking with God and consuming consuming the Spirit of God, paying attention to the Word of God, listening to the body of Christ around you in the form of community that God desires for us to possess. This is the plan of God in the earth. This is what Jesus was coming to introduce. I want to say it again. When we receive Christ, His divine light streams into our hearts, and suddenly we are awakened to have a living spirit. And then we begin to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And Christmas is about that light bringing hope, peace, joy, and love into our fallen, broken world. So this is an interesting um, museum I want to introduce you to this morning. In Edinburgh, Scotland, there's a museum, and it's called the Museum of Childhood. And if you go to this museum, it actually has all kinds of fascinating dolls, teddy bears, puppets. Largely, these items belong to affluent families, and some of them are 500 years old. It's amazing to think about this. Glass case after glass case, just awakening the imagination of each item's unique story. But in one corner of this museum, there's this individual case with only one single doll and a sign on that doll that says, doll belonging to a London slum child of 1905. I want you to take a close look because what that is is a shoe. The face of the doll is the heel of a shoe wrapped in a garment, a makeshift doll. That old shoe 
can bring tears to your eyes because it is so very pitiful while somehow being so very beautiful. The reason it's so beautiful is because some child living in horrendous conditions must have loved it so much. I, I looked at it for a long time this week, just at various times praying about the morning, and I, I thought, oh, how I would cherish that doll if I had that in my hands. I, I would take time to reflect on those conditions that that child grew up in and give thanks for the conditions of my life today. I would, I would hold it and, and think about the times that that child hugged the doll and played with the doll and possibly no other toys to play with at all living in the slum. A worthless doll, old shoe formed into a doll, worthless doll loved into beauty. We are that doll. Look at us. Who are we that God should love us? Yet he does. I'm going to ask the worship team, we'll go ahead and come. There's really nothing to validate us in our broken, darkened state of life. Yet somehow God's love takes us from darkness, hopelessness, into the presence of God's light and God's love. I believe Jesus is here bringing hope into our hearts. I would encourage you that even this evening as you're lighting a candle in your home, take a renewed consideration of your faith, believing for God's light to be awakened not only in your heart but in your home, that people who enter into your home will sense the presence of God, the light of Jesus Christ, that we would be carriers of that light. Not because we're so awesome, but because he is so awesome. We are that doll. God doesn't love us because we're so lovable. God loves us because he's so loving. <laughs> and God doesn't love you because you are valuable. You are valuable because God loves you. That's where your value comes from. If I can just accomplish this, if I can just own this, if I can just drive this, if I can... You're searching for value in the wrong place when you don't understand we are that doll. And you will completely miss the point of God's love if you're not careful. Even pursuing, I'm going to go to church every week, I'm going to read my Bible every day, I'm going to, I'm going to do all these things to make sure God loves me. 
I, I hope you will come to church. I, I hope you will be consistent in God's word. But God's not going to love you any more or any less, no matter what you do or do not do. You need to understand that. The cross of Jesus Christ is the hope for all humanity. He came, he was born into this earth, he lived. His life is a great example for us. He died, but he's no longer in the grave. He's alive. Jesus is here. And he wants to awaken something within every one of our hearts. So I want to encourage you today. Are you where you need to be in your relationship with God? Have you come to the place of acknowledging like without Jesus, I'm lost. Without the light of God, I'm living in darkness. The sin of my life is holding me captive. And the only way for me to be free from that is to embrace the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't just come to be born. He came to perform an entire rescue operation for all humanity. To bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And we're all to be a part of that. So it's not just believing, but it's actually devoting ourselves to the things that really matter to him. That's why church is really important. Uh, church has its issues. Would you agree? I mean, if you're here, you know church has its issues because I get to be the lead pastor. And man, do I have my issues. And we all have them. And rather than trying to cover them up and you know, pretend they don't exist, we tend to just kind of talk about them. And it helps everybody feel a little more normal. <laughs> about what God might be wanting to do in their fallen, broken life. But coming to the cross of Christ and then embracing. Jesus loves the church. I want to be like him. We have to learn to love the church. It means we need to be the church, gathering as the church, serving the heart of God in this world. So come on, would you just take a moment and let's just evaluate. Just open your heart wide. Just close your eyes for a moment. Let's just, if you're able to stand, let's just stand to our feet. We just stand in his presence. we thank you that God is with us. We just declare Emmanuel. God with us. The nearness of God is never a question. It's the awareness of the nearness of God that we have to devote ourselves to cultivate within our own lives. So pray, uh, Lord, that each of us would understand the importance of first surrendering our heart, saying we're desperate, we're lost, we're hopeless without you. We recognize we need you, first and foremost. You agree with that? Say amen. Lord, as we then learn to walk with you, the things that matter to you, should begin to matter to us. And so I pray that even tonight as we 
gather around a candle and try to do the best we can at just creating a moment together. For some, it'll be somber. For others, perhaps there'll be laughter. Whatever that moment is, Lord, we just want to give that to you and say we're, we're just trying to learn how to make the things that matter to you begin to matter to us more. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Now, I just, I felt this morning, and, and what we're going to do is just take a few moments and step back into worship, our prayer team, in just a moment. Don't, uh, don't go yet, if you would. But our prayer teams will be available just as we worship for a few more moments before we conclude. It's just kind of our approach to taking what God stirred within our heart. Then we give it back to Him. And I just felt this morning the Lord was um, just reminding me and just rehearsing some of the things that have happened. I, I've been looking through some old pictures realizing this used to be, to be grass when, uh, when I first arrived a few years back. And over the course of time, you know, we've been able to build this structure and, and we were part of the, the assistance for the city of Moore when that huge tornado came through. We were the warehouse in this building before we were in here worshiping uh, the way we are now. And I just was thinking about all that's taken place. And I began to just give thanks that, you know, 40, 50 years from now, uh, most of us won't be here. You, you understand, like, there's going to be people coming after us, just like we've come after those that were 40, 50 years before us. And, and this morning, I just was reflecting on the reality that God's desire is for us to love Him and love each other so well that the church is given to the next generation theologically stronger than we got it, relationally stronger than we got it, and financially stronger than we got it. And even looking at the conclusion of the year, uh, I would just say because we love what the Lord desires for us to love and grow in that understanding, giving's always been a part of our worship, I would encourage you, consider an end-of-year contribution toward just the expression of seeing God's kingdom expand in the earth. Just something to consider as you're praying about, Lord, how can we walk this thing out? Giving's always been a part of worship. Communion in your home, just taking time. These, these things that have been practices in the church, uh, there's communion available on Sundays typically for us during worship. We're just wanting to invite everybody just to find their way into your own personal expression, us together as a family growing deeper in our relationship with the Lord. So I'm going to ask our, our prayer team if you'll come. And we want to be available if there's anything we can pray with you about today. If you've made a decision in any direction to surrender your life to Christ, if you've not made that decision, then... Uh, we want to pray with you. If you're saying, I need to take a step forward in the things that really matter to God regarding the church, I've not really been involved, I want to find my way in to help others find their way into a deeper place, then let us pray with you about that. Any way we can stand with you in discovering more of what God's desiring to do in your life, in your legacy, that's what we want to try to do. So come on. Let's press in. Let's take just a few moments and worship before we... Uh, before we get on our way on this Christmas Eve, we surrender our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. 